Perspectives on Easter, a Tent and Thrive special. time that Jesus was preaching and teaching, Palestine was not a hotspot in the empire. Yes, there were zealots who sought to overthrow the occupying government, and from time to time there would arise charismatic leaders who called for revolution. But none of these efforts at resistance were taken seriously by Rome. Units of the Roman army garrisoning Palestine under the reigns of Herod the Great and Herod Antipas were not drawn from the famous legions established after the Marian reforms. Use of these professional heavy infantrymen of the Roman army was limited to areas of the greatest strategic significance. They were deployed in territories under ongoing threat, those in which conflict appeared imminent, or those in which the empire could not afford to countenance resistance. We all knew about the legions. Time and again they had subdued armies far larger than themselves, despite being equipped with the same basic weapons. Shields, spears, and swords. They swept across the world, claiming kingdom after kingdom for Rome. Ah, Rome, the greatest civilization ever known to mankind. The empire has brought aqueducts, roads, baths, theaters, and palaces to backwater reaches of the world. Brilliant architects and engineers have erected cities with walls, arches, and buildings never before seen in human history. No city rivals Rome in its beauty and grandeur. So much to do, so much to see. Theatrical performances, dances, chariot races, gladiator combats, wild animal shows, and other unusual exhibitions. I've been there twice, and each time I was overwhelmed. Yes, in the time of Jesus, I was a Roman soldier, but you should know, I was not a legionary. Oh, how I wish I were. But sadly, I was but a member of an auxiliary unit. And at that time, throughout the empire, less sensitive areas were garrisoned either by auxiliaries or by the armies of technically independent satellite states. When Rome acquires new territory in places that are less important to the empire or where the people are less welcoming of their conquerors, governance is often left to client kings, dependent on the emperor's support and goodwill and under obligation to render military aid to Rome. These territories often maintain their own military units. Such was the case for us in Palestine. Like legionaries, we were under the direct orders of the Roman government. But as an auxiliary unit, we were usually recruited from and stationed in our own home province. I was born in Caesarea, and that is where I served for the first four years of my 16-year service. Like most auxiliary units, we seldom participated in military campaigns far from home. Some of us were awarded Roman citizenship in exchange for our military service. But I was already Roman when I joined the unit. The first time I saw Jesus was the night before he was crucified in a garden of ancient olive trees across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. I was dispatched to assist a delegation of Jewish leaders in their arrest of a man wanted for stirring up trouble. We took him easily, even though he had some of his followers with him. I believe there may have been a little resistance, but it was easily quelled. What confounds me is that it was one of Jesus' own who betrayed him, a member of his inner circle, a man called Judas. It was after he kissed the agitator that we swept in to make the arrest. He must not have been a good leader to be sold out like that. We took him into the high priest's house. 
Many of the servants recognized who he was and started murmuring that we had arrested a prophet, a miracle worker, a healer, the Messiah, and one person even said that he was a king. So we decided to have a little fun with him. We blindfolded him and spun him around and took turns hitting him in the face or stomach and would say, tell us who struck you or predict who will strike you next. He flinched a few times, but he never said a word. After keeping this up for close to an hour, we got bored and let him be for a while. Once daylight broke, we were busy. We escorted Jesus from one trial to the next, from Annas to Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin to the prefix to Herod, then back to the prefect again. At each stop, we beat him. Sometimes I joined in, sometimes I just watched. And then before that last trial, we put a purple robe on him and we twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And we put a reed in his right hand. After all, if he were a king, he needed to look the part. Then we knelt before him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! <laughs> After we beat him, we removed the cloak and returned his clothes to him. When we got to Calvary, which the Jews call Golgotha, we crucified Jesus and hung him high between two other criminals. The prefect had written a sign for us to nail on the beam right above his head. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. I have to admit, he was tough. He took his beating and endured the suffering on the cross without crying out. He was an obvious pain. You could tell as he grimaced or as he struggled to breathe or as great drops of blood and sweat rolled down his face. Still, he not only bore it all silently, he even forgave us. Father, forgive them, he said, for they know not what they do. I knew what I was doing. My job. He was tried by both Jewish and Roman courts. He was found guilty of blasphemy and sedition and sentenced accordingly. And my job was to execute that sentence. And so I did, as I had done numerous times before. This Jesus didn't seem that dangerous to me, but the empire is strong because we quash resistance at the first sign of trouble. After he was crucified, the four of us who were charged with guarding him divided his garments into four parts and each of us took our own souvenir. But Jesus' tunic was seamless, woven from the top to the bottom as a single garment. We did not want to tear this, so we threw dice to see which of us would get it. I lost. It was our custom to offer a man being crucified cheap Roman vinegar wine, which had a drug mixed in it to dull the senses, so that he might more easily endure the suffering of the cross. Jesus refused the wine. At the ninth hour, after he'd been hanging on the cross for six hours, he cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. This must have taken its toll on him because shortly thereafter he said, I thirst. At my commander's direction, I ran and filled a sponge of vinegar, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. Some say this Jesus really didn't die on the cross. Not true. I have been to hundreds of crucifixions, and I have seen hundreds of condemned men, and I witnessed Jesus die. I was there when he said, it is finished. I was there when he cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I was there when Longinus pierced his side with a lance and out gushed blood mixed with water. If he were the Messiah, or the Son of God, why could he not save himself? If he could perform miracles, or if he had power to call down angels from heaven, 
Why not do so? Why die such an ignominious death? Well, not for me to speculate on the reasons why. After we confirmed that his body was dead, we took the body down from the cross. Once we transferred the body to some representatives from the synagogue, my shift was over and I could go home for the evening. And so I did. I walked through a crowd of weeping women and I passed crowds of people who were buzzing about what happened. But I paid them no mind. We had put down another enemy of the state. And now that it was over, I was going to eat, drink, and be merry. I awakened from a drunken stupor late the next morning. And I went back to that place on Golgotha where Jesus and two thieves had been crucified. There were few people about as it was the Jewish Sabbath. And most of them were at worship services. I'm not sure what drew me back there. Was it how calm he was in the middle of it all? Was it the anguish that was evident from those who watched him die? Was it the nagging feeling that I had in the back of my mind? Who knows? The next morning his body disappeared from the tomb. The soldiers guarding him claimed that they saw an angel roll away the stone, sealing the entrance, and they were so overwhelmed by the experience that they fainted. Some story. It's likely that they fell asleep after drinking too much and didn't notice when some of Jesus' followers stole his corpse. I find it amusing that so many people are saying that Jesus resurrected from the dead. What's most annoying is that his followers are still causing trouble. Anyway, that's not my problem anymore. I've retired from the unit.